Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Uh, Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Sue Meyer. Uh, Sue is an author of Homeopathy for Mommies, um, which is a great book, which is available in uh, print as well as ebook at every version. As and she also hosts a very popular podcast, Homeopathy for Mommies radio show, and uh, that is available um, on the website at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, and her website is homeopathyformommies.com. Uh, let's welcome Sue Meyer. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. It's really, really, really nice to be here in Florida with you, <laughs> especially since I found out there was a, another winter storm in Minnesota today, so <laughs> this is extremely nice to be here. I usually do a six-hour crash course, which we talk basically for the whole six hours, and I end up showing, doing a raindrop at the end because I like to show everyone how to do use the essential oils, and we talk about herbs throughout the class as well. And then, of course, my main focus is homeopathy. I actually have a diploma in naturopathy, but my love and my main focus is homeopathy because I tell people the naturopathy and all the herbs, you know, I have not an extensive knowledge of the herbs, but I have friends who do, and I use a lot of herbs to build the immune system as well as the essential oils, but homeopathy is the trigger it's like the light switch that actually tells the body how to heal. Because you can have, <clears throat> you can take your car in, your car's broken, say. You take it in, you say to the mechanic, will you, fi- will you please fix my car? And the mechanic will say, okay. And he looks under the hood and he says, you need this, this, and that. And he says, okay, you just get whatever parts you need and fix my car. The parts that the mechanic is going to put into the car is what I call the nutritional herbs, the essential oils, any other supplements that you use to build the immune system, the mechanic is the homeopathy that I use to trigger. Something has to tell the body what to do. Something has to put it in place. And homeopathy is what does that. You can take a homeopathic remedy, for instance, of course the story's in my book, so if you buy the book, you're gonna, it's going to be redundant. But when you, if you have a virus, um, the first thing that happens is the child, say, for instance, will become lethargic. Their, their hands and feet might become cold. The, the cheeks might become flushed, and they'll start to run a fever. What's happening is that virus is taking over the body, and the body is trying to decide what to do. You know, what's it going to do? First of all, it's going to protect the internal organs. So the blood is going to go inward. So the hands and feet immediately become cold. If you give that child a dose of belladonna, belladonna, if you ate the plant, you would die because you're your whole body would become, your eyes would dilate really big, you would become feverish, and you would eventually die. So if you give it in homeopathic form, which is so diluted, uh, we'll, we'll talk about potencies too, but it's basically so diluted there's actually no substance left in that vial, but the body can still read it. The body reads the belladonna, it perceives that belladonna as a threat, 
So it steeps up its vital force, and therefore we call belladonna the great viral interrupter, and the body will then respond and start, you know, the fever will jack, and the child will get better. And it always works. I've seen it work, absolute miracles. Like I say, I tell stories about it in my book, and I don't want to get super boring tonight, but um, anyway, homeopathy is amazing, and it, it does trigger the body to heal itself. And uh, so I did, you know, I've, like I said, I've used herbs and oils to get over the, the most bizarre illnesses. <laughs> and actually, I should tell you about some of those, but um, in the meantime, what I'm going to do, because I'm veering so far off course of what I, how I naturally and normally teach a class, someone has printed, been kind enough to print out a, <laughs> a little uh, um, form that I can use to um, help explain to you what homeopathy is and then how we use some of the other things. But first of all, I would like to know how much you know about homeopathy. Nothing, nothing, a lot and a lot, and quite a bit. No? Not. I use the oils a lot, but... Okay. All right. <coughs> so, basically, I'm just, all I have to do is convince you <laughs> that this is a worthwhile thing to learn. And, okay, we'll go from there. So, this book, when I wrote this book... <coughs> I didn't intend to write a book. I, I had been studying homeopathy, and I said to my homeopath, I said, Jim, I'm reading all these books, and it keeps talking about curing the chronic, curing the chronic. And I said, how do we, do, how do we go about doing that? He goes, oh, Sue, he says, I think we're in such a diseased state. He says, we're never. You, you, he says, that's like peeling away the layers of an onion. He says, and I just don't think we can cure the chronic anymore. And I said, I don't, I don't, oh, I do. I think there's a way. Well, I continued studying, and basically all the books written out there are written for I don't know. People look at the pretty plants and what you know the remedy is made of. It doesn't really tell you anything about how to use it, what it's good for, anything else. Or it's doctors writing for other doctors. And so it, phew, it just goes way over your head, you know. So I was lucky enough to run into some really good people and to get a hold of a couple of good books that kind of brought it down to my level, but I started taking notes. I read Kent's lectures on homeopathy. He was, he was one of the foremost teachers in this country. And I started reading his book, and so I started writing down all these notes. And like I said, in, the, in these lectures, he'll tell stories about different cases that were cured from this and that. But you start to see a, a full picture. Anyway, so I proceeded to keep really good notes for my daughters and my daughter-in-law, because they were trying to use homeopathy for the children, the grandchildren. And some of my friends got wind of the fact that I was compiling notes. I want copies. They're so good. So I actually put it together in a book, and this is like the fifth printing, and it's probably going to be the final. <laughs> but I'm convinced that if you go around and talk to moms and caregivers and explain to them how homeopathy really works, they will embrace it and use it. I have, to date, I have 25 grandkids, two more on the way, and none of my, one family, the mom was expecting um, her fifth child, I believe, and she had gotten strep. And then all the kids got strep. She was seven hours away. I couldn't go help her. She was too sick to take care of the kids. She said, so they just wanted me to put them on antibiotics. I said, do it, sweetie. We'll clean you up later. So she did. They got over it. We, we gave, put them on cleanup remedies, which we will talk about later. I have a trio of remedies here. We call the pharmaceutical cleanup. And so they're, they're clean again. But that in, I have my oldest granddaughter just turned 11. And I don't believe any of them have ever been on antibiotics except that one time. Um, of course, we don't either. But <laughs> I, um, 
but we, we don't have to go to the doctor. We just use homeopathy and, and a few oils, and we're good. You know, really. It's just that simple. So, and that's what I like to do is go around and explain to moms, you can clean up your family, and sometimes it does take some work to get them cleaned up. Because once you've suppressed, and we'll talk about that too, but once you've suppressed stuff with antibiotics or other pharmaceuticals, it takes a little while to clean up the body so that you're not constantly fighting that same thing that's trying to come back all the time. Because the body will bring back strep all the time, will bring back earaches all the time, until you can bring it back and get rid of it naturally. And as soon as you do that, then it's gone. And it's not saying you're not more predisposed to that situation, but it's not going to come back for maybe five years instead of, you know. Because once a virus or something is in the body, that DNA imprint, it's always there. It all, it's, you know, that's why we immunize. So we get the disease and be done with it, right? <laughs> okay. So anyway, homeopathy is, it's what it is. We'll talk about the potency and how it's made because I've had a lot of good Catholics say, oh, it's too new age. I said, no, it's not new age at all. The fact is it's one of the oldest forms of known medicine. It's over almost 300 years old. And in, up until two years ago in Europe, if you went to the hospital in Europe, that would be the first course of action. If you went in with bleeding, they would give you arnica. That And pharmaceuticals did manage to get it out of the hospitals there, so it's no longer the first course of action. And, of course, we have countries that have always used homeopathy, but now they have socialized gov um, medicine. So they'll say, ah, oh, we can just go to the doctor for free. So we don't need homeopathy anymore. You know, that's their mistake. But... Um, I really believe that if you want to be healthy, you have to take responsibility for your own health and not run to the doctor um, because you have a headache or the flu. I, it, I just have to laugh when people say, oh, I'm taking them in, it's got a sore throat. What are you taking them in for? Antibiotics? A virus. The only thing an antibiotic will do is suppress the symptoms. That's it. Yes, a cold or flu can turn into something more serious. You can become secondary and you can actually get an infection. But if you suppress that infection, the body... What happens is when the body is trying to heal itself and you suppress it with even colloidal silver, I, I use colloidal silver over antibiotics in an emergency situation, but if you suppress it, what happens is the body stops healing because it's, it's no longer has to fight those little, you know, eat up those little bad buggies around there. So the body stops fighting and it's like it's in the middle of doing something and so then it stops, it's confused, okay? The body didn't get to take care of the situation itself, and so it's confused. It's like um, if you have a broken bone and you're not taking in enough calcium, the body will pull the excess calcium from inside the other good bones to heal that bone. And then once that bone is healed, it's still in the process of drawing all that calcium. So very often people end up with bone spurs because it doesn't know what to do with the excess calcium that was in the process of drawing. It doesn't just stop in the middle of that process. It, it had, it, you know, okay, it stops drawing it, and then what does it do with it? Well, I don't know what to do with it, so it shoves it into little spots called bone spurs. And, you know, we can, we can get rid of those too with homeopathy, but the point is is the body is a machine. You just don't put it on hold. And, and regard, you know, like even when I took my, um, my pro-life training to be a counselor, that's one of the things they taught us. And I said, this absolutely makes sense. You know, the, the little pink ribbon, you know, I don't want to. Anyway... <clears throat> They took this knowledge to that woman and said, you need to tell people that 30, if you have an abortion, and not even a natural miscarriage, a natural miscarriage, the body is in the process of shutting down. But if you have an abortion, that child is taken suddenly, those hormones that the, that the mother is processing to grow that child, 
those hormones er, here that baby's taken those hormones have nowhere to, they don't know what to do they have nowhere to go that woman is 33% more likely to develop breast cancer later in life and they know this these are all statistical things and we learn this in our class and yet that woman said we can't tell the public that that would be horrible you know what I mean but see, that's what happens. The body is its own machine. And it does work in such a, an amazing way. You just got to let it do its own thing. And uh, so anyway, that's what I try to go around. And I, I teach these classes. I actually went back to a, a second class in Illinois uh, again. which So we did an advanced class. And it's so much fun. Because now these moms are they're wanting to know more. It's not just, okay, I have a whole bunch of remedies here. I have a book. You know, I can colds and flu. I want to know why it works. And so we're getting to go into a deeper, deeper classes, and I, I like it a lot. So anyway, homeopathy is made, it's not new age, it's made from it's the original plant or mineral or even animal hair, animal milk, things like that. Diseased tissue, like tuberculosis, we have what we call nozodes, and that's made from um, the disease itself or the diseased tissue of a particular animal or person. Then we have sarcodes, which is made from healthy tissue, um, or adrenal gland, things like that. Uh, but they're all tinctured. All these remedies are, are plants and elements are tinctured. And then that tincture is, they take one drop of tincture and they will add it to, if it's going to be a C potency, to 99 drops of water. If it's X potency, nine drops of water. So it's like the centesimals. And then it's succussed so that it's completely infused. And then that would be a 1C or a 1X. If it's going to be, a, we even have like M potencies, you know, 1 to 999 drops of water succussed. And then that's a 1C or 1X or 1M. So explain the potency and, you know, how it, because it works opposite than when, what we think. Right. We think that less means it's weaker, but in this case, less means it's stronger. Okay. Very good point. So they have that, and they make a 1X, 1C, and so they can keep going. We go up to the hundreds, thousands, and for potencies. And when, in this book right here, I deal, this is, an acute, this is for acute care. Colds, flu, broken bones, runny, you know, bloody um, knees, things like that. So we do acute care here. So in this book, I stay mostly with X's, homeopathy for mommies. I use mostly X potencies, like a 30X a 6C or a 30C. In my store, I sell all the remedies in this book and I have a couple of 200s up that are on, on display because most of the time when you're using that particular remedy, you want a 200. But I do like to use X potencies. 30C is the middle of the road. Okay, so well, how does a potency work? So anyway, they've taken these tinctures, they've made the potencies, and there's a variety of potencies. Like I said, the, the common potencies are like uh, 12X, 30X, 3C, 6C, 12C, uh, 12C, and then we go up to a 200 and then a 1M. Those are the common potencies. I would never recommend anyone to have a 1M in their possession unless they really know what they're doing. But anyway... For cold, I say, I like, like Jim, my, my homeopath taught me that if you have a broken leg, that's grunt work. You have to do some healing. So you use a low potency, a 
30X is a perfect potency for healing that type of situation, okay? Because it's, it's something that's just really, really graphic. If you're getting a cold or the flu, I like to go into the seeds. Because what happens, and this is what I love about homeopathy, and this is what I teach in my advanced classes, but everything happens in the mind first, okay? It doesn't matter... Um, if you've been exposed to something, whether it be the flu, a virus, an infection, um, shock, trauma, doesn't matter. The mind has to perceive what it's just experienced. Okay, I've just gotten, I've just taken in the, uh, this virus, I'm getting sick. At that point, the mind determines how it's going to handle it. So what it does is it, the mind, I say the mind, this is our, this is our, inner, our inner person, okay, that's running this whole machine. And so it perceives what's gone on, and it will throw that out in the form of symptoms. So if you have a child, and the first thing you notice is little Johnny's, his little eyes are looking a little glazed over, and his, the pupils are really big, and his cheeks are kind of flushed. Honey, are you feeling okay? Oh, yeah, Mommy, I feel great. He does. He's bouncing off the walls just a little too much. You know he's getting sick because you know the look. That's a belladonna look. But that's what's happening. His mind is saying, you're getting sick. So it starts throwing out the symptoms. And caregivers can learn to pick up on those symptoms before it ever manifests itself into the, the illness. So once it does that, you, like say you grab the belladonna, you give it to them, the cheeks flush, the flushed cheeks go away, the eyes don't look all glassy anymore, and the child stops bouncing around the room. But if it's a, like a broken bone, okay, say somebody falls, toe pick, and breaks their leg on the ice. <laughs> they have the kids go get the chair so they can get off the ice. And hop off the lake and drive home. Okay, this really happened to me, okay? <laughs> and on the way home, I kept telling the kids, oh, guys, we got to hurry. Because I didn't have a driver with me, so I, I, just, I was driving with my left foot. And I said, so we get home, somebody run in the closet and get the crutches, and somebody else grab the Arnica. Because there's two remedies for shock. And I knew I was going to be fine. See, that's an Arnica shock. Because you can go into shock. If you, there's a car accident, the police get there, and there's two people in the car, and the driver, he says, I'm, I'm just fine, officer, take care of him. And he walks over, and he drops dead in the ditch. See, he should have had Arnica. That person, that is an Arnica shock. He thinks he's fine. But he can still go into shock. Because if the body can't throw out symptoms, you know, the mind has just experienced something horrible, if it can't throw it out, that body can just simply cease to breathe. The person... He said, help him. That person's laying over there in the ditch thinking he's dying. I'm dying, I'm dying. He needs, he needs aconite. That's aconite shock. Because if they think they're dying, you know, they really can slip into shock and they really can die. But that's the difference between the way the mind is throwing that symptom out. And so we learn with this, this book, we, we basically talk about the sensations and the main rubrics, the main key words about a particular remedy. And it's really funny because people really will say these things. They really, really will. I have one little girl who doesn't matter what is wrong with her, whether it be a stomach ache, a headache, um, she will say things like, I'll say, so what does that feel like? It just feels like a string is pulling it out. That's bryonia. It's an amazing, or colocynth or bryonia. They both have that same sensation. And they really will say those super weird, bizarre things. I had one case where... Um, this, this gal, she just said, oh, I just feel like if I could just take and cut it off, it would feel better. What a strange thing to say, right? But it's the odd and the peculiar, and it will lead you to the correct remedy every time. It's just, you know, that's more chronic case-taking, but yet 
those same things are in every remedy, and they're always there, whether it be acute or chronic. And so once you start to learn those, it's just amazing. Yes? Odd and peculiar, you use what? Odd and peculiar statements. That's what you got to listen to. It's like, even, I do case taking, so I mean, I just sit and take notes, but even when you're listening to someone talk about their, their owie, they will say the most bizarre things. And don't say, oh, for crying out loud, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Tell me what it really feels like. No, listen to what they're saying. Yeah. Because their mind is throwing that out. Yeah. And these remedies are, have been so pro well proven over the years, and they've been so well documented, that it's always the truth. And um, I'm not going to mention names here, but there's a wonderful doctor in India who he came from a long line of homeopaths, and he started to see, he says, you know what? This is amazing because every single time it always works. God is orderly. It's that simple. God is orderly. It always works. If that sensation is there, if that key word is there, it will work. And so he came up with this chart. It's like a multiplication chart except it's language. He has rows and columns and and then he put he puts these key words out for us and, and that's when I was able to go study under those doctors. That's what we learned. Absolutely amazing. And even in acute care it'll be the same thing. It's, it's amazing. Yes? Our daughter Pam, she had a neighbor, Susan Yes, her neighbor. She was so sick and they did uh, exploratory surgery on her and everything. And so Pam tried to help her after all this because nothing helped her. They didn't. And she said, how do you really feel? And she said, I feel like lava eruption. Like everything's falling out of me. Yeah. She gave the remedy <laughs> to Pam. The lava. Uh huh. Yeah. And she gave it to her, and she was she did. Isn't that funny? She, she was well. Yeah, she that is amazing. It, it really is. I had a case very similar to that. It was a an older gentleman, and I, I took his case. It was a clear mineral case. There, there's particular language as well for mineral, plant, or animal remedies. But, and that was what he said. It was is very it was very fun. Um, okay, so, so we're talking about the recording in case people can't hear. What was the odd thing that was said, and then what was the remedy that was given? The odd thing that she said that it just felt like lava, hot lava was pouring out of her. And there is a remedy called Hecla Lava. It's actually in this book, and it's it's noted for bone spurs that we were talking about a little while ago, and dental infections and things like that. But the sensation, she described the sensation of hot lava pouring out of it her. It was her telling. Mm -hmm. The remedy that she needed. Yep. Only she didn't know that. And people will describe the remedy. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. It, they really will. So as far as the potency, if you wanted to touch the mind, you go into the seas. Because Hahnemann, when he discovered homeopathy, he actually dealt mostly with 30C. That was the remedy he worked with the most. And the process of cure begins in the mind. It always begins in the mind. And so a C will touch the mind um, so like children have a higher vitality and we try to match the vitality as well in acute care You don't have to worry too much about matching the vitality because it's something that has happened Quickly and it will eventually you know, it'll go away quickly Acute so, is right now. Acute is right now, correct And so when we do chronic case taking we look at the potencies totally differently Because we have to match the vitality if if it doesn't match the vitality There will be aggravation in, during the healing process and we don't want aggravation because that just means People say, oh, I can tough it out. And I'm like, no, you don't need to tough it out. Because if you tough it out, that means your body's trying to heal quicker than your vitality can handle it. And you can cause too much aggravation, and they can actually, they can actually feel worse it, before they feel better for 
you just don't want them to aggravate. So you, you match that. And their language, again, will describe their own vitality. It, it's, it's really amazing. But um, that's why little kids, you know, they have all these dreams and they, have, they tell stories and they see things, they have imagination. That is key. Like, that's key language for vitality. That means they have a great vitality. As we get older, these you know, older people say, ah, oh, I don't dream anymore. Ah, oh, you know, I have, I used to have such good imagination. No, not anymore. So that their vitality is dwindling, which is a normal process. You know, I love to tell the story about my friend's granny. After she got married, after my friend got married, <coughs> granny went and lived with her. And granny did the laundry, most of the cooking, because my friend helps her husband in uh, the business. And so they raised the three kids, and granny she was right there for everything. And, and my friend's sister, granny, you just... Not moving quite as fast as you usually do, and she's like, I know. And so my friend takes her to the doctor, and here her heart rate was down, and it was in the 30s, you know, 30 some beats per minute. And the doctor says, Well, and she's she was 90. And the doctor says, I could we could put a pacemaker in. And Granny's like, Nah, just let her go. <laughs> she lived, I think, about another year, a year and a half. But see, that's the natural course of things. We're always trying to keep ourselves alive, you know. We always think that you know, more parts, better parts keep me alive, but. You put a pacemaker in, you know, sure, keep the heart beating, but everything else is slowing down, too, in conjunction. So we're all going to die. And homeopathy, oils, herbs, is not going to keep us alive forever. So we might as well just be as happy as we can while we're here. <laughs> and I, you know, like, I use homeopathy. I've, I've had a few relatives pass away, and there's nothing you can do to stop that process. But with homeopathy, you can keep them off drugs. They, they talk to you to the last moment of their life, and they're happy to do it. You know, uh, it's just, it's beautiful because they're not in pain, and they're at peace. And they do the things that need to be done before they pass away, and they do it with a clear mind. And nobody's screaming and crying because they're dying. They're like, that's okay, that's, that's the way of the world. And so that's why I like to use homeopathy even for, and Mother Teresa would send her, her sisters, if they weren't familiar with homeopathy, she would send them back to school so that they understood it, so they could help the sick and the dying as well. Because it's affordable. Even in India, they, you know, it's the main way of treatment in, in India. I went to a seminar with oh, well, several the, people from India. They're like the world's foremost doctors. And there was this one kid there, and, he, well, I say kid. He was 23. He looked like he was 17. But anyway, he said he was on his way to California to visit his sister who had gone there a little while. But him and his sister ran a homeopathic clinic in India. She was a couple years older than he. And he says, we have between three and 400 clients a day that will come through. He said, but that's nothing in India. He says, you know, he says, we'll get there in the morning and they will have been lining up since 5.30 in the morning to come in for treatment. And he'll, he, you know, he explains how they do homeopathy there. It's very classical. A very classical, which this book is considered classical because we give one remedy at a time. But it, his is even now we use the language more. We're there, they use the body types still quite a bit there, and he was trying to learn the language for his clinic and, and their business. But it's just amazing, and um, you know, how the other countries acknowledge homeopathy as, as healing, and they do cure 90% of their cancer in India, they really do. <clears throat> All right, so is there any more questions about potency? All right, we'll move on then. The process of taking a remedy, it depends. In my book, you will find no directions as to how to take remedies, and that is because it's at your discretion. 
Okay, you, if, you, if your child is coming down with a cold and you know it, the first course of action I always do is aconite and belladonna. A and then B. I say aconite because aconite is fear. Oh, I think I just was exposed to a virus, seriously. And the body, even though the, if you don't know you've been exposed to a virus, the body will have a sense of fear just before it starts to get sick because it knows something's coming. So aconite is amazing to kick things out as quickly as you can. Belladonna, because it's the great viral interrupter. And belladonna, like I said, I can't talk about that enough because I've cured um, West Nile. I've cured, uh, I believe, rabies. I've cured meningitis. Um, it's amazing because anything that's viral, belladonna will interrupt that process and it'll help the body to kick it out. But when you're taking a homeopathic remedy, you say, okay, I'm gonna give aconite and then I'm gonna get bell give belladonna. I get my two remedies out and I succuss them. By succussing them, it's like waking them up, okay? You succuss, I believe you succuss your oils before you use them as well. Because it just wakes up that energy. And I say energy, non-oogie-boogie, new age way. I say it because every single thing, everything on the face of the planet can be measured. The megahertz, if you know anything at all about physics, you measure the megahertz. Even if it's dead, that wood right there, that, that oak. You can just measure the megahertz and you can tell that that's oak. That's why when you walk into some rooms, they feel so warm. It depends on how they're furnished, what kind of wood, and you know, so on and so forth. Stone, everything has a megahertz. So when they've taken those elements, they've tinctured them, then they've drenched these sugar pellets, because sugar pellets are the perfect conductor. They, they hold that megahertz perfectly. Just like copper and gold are perfect electrical conductors, so are sugar pellets and lactose. So they coat them, so when you wake it up, you, take, you open the cap, FDA mandates that they say three to five pellets because they want you to believe it's medicinal. There's no medicinal anything in the homeopathic remedy. Your body is just perceiving the megahertz. So one, two, three, four pellets, the whole bottle, it's one dose because your body's just gonna read it as you, as you give it to it. And that's why you succuss in between because Hahnemann taught that your body can never read the same exact megahertz two times in a row for the same issue. It's like you break your leg this year, you use it, you succuss it, you, you, keep, you can keep taking the remedy until that leg is healed, but the next year, you can you take it again, but you still, you know, I say succuss it every time. That's why you have to make sure the source of your remedies, you don't want them to be machine made. And I'm not trying to pick on chiropractors, but a lot of times chiropractors have homeopathic remedies in their office. They don't know um, much about homeopathy. They just know they should carry these remedies. So you can ask your chiropractor, that's fine. You can ask your chiropractor, are these hand succussed remedies or are these machine made? And most of the time they'll say, ah, oh, gee, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should call and find out. Because a machine-made remedy, you cannot succuss and alter the potency because it's, it's already frequency, it's just set. It's not, a, it's not a live tincture. It's not going to alter ever so slightly. So make sure they're hand-succussed and made by a reputable lab. And yes, I do have the names of some reputable labs, but they're getting fewer and farther in between. <laughs> anyway. So that's how you take a homeopathic remedy. And like I said, the FDA mandates, when you read a bottle, it'll tell you what it's for. And people say, well, that's not my issue. See, again, the FDA mandates what they put on those bottles. And you could literally write a whole book about each and every individual remedy. So I don't know how FDA, well, they want you to believe it's medicinal only for those six items and not that it can actually cure back aches and, you know, like my remedy in the store, it's called Tellurium Metallicum, it's in the 
um, book. And I think that one says ringworm, and which is famous for ringworm, and I can't remember what else, but it's also the number one remedy for back injury. So the FDA doesn't want you to know that. They want you to stop your investigation right there on that bottle, and they don't want you to know the whole story. So I don't mean to pick on the FDA because this is a government agency that, that tries to take care of us. <laughs> okay. Your vital, your body reads it. It, it reads it. It's like, um, like when you walk out into the warm sun and you've been freezing cold, and you walk out into the warm sun. Oh, you just feel so good. Your body reads that sun like that, right? And it's the same thing. When your body is exposed to the megahertz of the original tincture, it either perceives it as a threat, okay, and it seeps up the vitality to to heal itself, or once in a while, some of the remedies, like that's what the ones we take in low potencies that are, you know, like the X potencies, your body can actually use them. For instance, like uh, calflor, for instance, we'll take that in an X potency, a low X potency, because it's calcium fluoride, and we want our body to read that so it helps with our dental, you know. So it's a real low potency, and, and maybe we're not uptaking our calcium the way we're supposed to, and so our teeth are, are bad. So you take the remedy, and your body reads that, and it's like, ah, I need to balance. You know, it's just like a lady was in the hospital one time, and her daughter called me, and she says, Mom was doing better, and I helped her into the tub. She took her tub. She got up, and she went to step out. She looked off into the distance and slumped into a coma. I said, oh, my gosh. Okay, she was in the tub, and she went to step out. And she said, yes. I said, that's a sodium issue. He says, you need to be given her, and that would be not self most... You know, we have the different sodiums. We have natrum muraticum, natrum sulfuricum, and a whole raft of them. But the two famous ones in homeopathy are nat self and nat um, mer. But oddly enough, nat self is the one listed for symptom aggravation due to feet getting wet. Okay, so in other words, it's the water issue. If there's a water issue, it's nat self. So I told her, she goes, I don't have that. And I said, then give her nat mer. And she goes, I, so anyways, it turned out the family wouldn't let her. And I said, sweetie, you've got to get that. You know, anyway, long story short, the hospital comes back 24 hours later and says she's deficient in, in sodium. <laughs> but she's still in the coma. And I told her, I said, you have to figure out a way to get these remedies, you know. And um, I said, you gotta get her, you've got to wake her up. And with what she had on hand, she, um, they did start an IV drip of sodium. And then I said, but you still have to wake her up. So, kafia, she happened to have kafia on hand, kafia crude, and uh, she put it, and just sponged it on her lips, and she woke up within an hour and a half, and she had been out for three days before she figured out how to get that in her. And, but the thing is, is it's just these remedies really do work. It, it's so amazing, and, you know, I don't know, like I said, this, the symptoms don't lie, you know, and so, anyway, we're going to go on. Um, let's see here. How long do you use them? Okay, so if you find a remedy that's working, you use it until you no longer need it. You can give it three to ten times a day. You don't have to worry about giving too much if the body's using it up. You just you can just keep giving it. I usually give a remedy about every 10-15 minutes when I first start giving it for, and you're going to know right away. Most of the time, the, the sick person will say, oh, thank you, I feel better. And their symptoms will seriously aggravate the nose and really start running or they'll throw up or purge or whatever, but they feel better. The mind always will feel better. So even, like I say, even if they aggravate or purge, 
the mind still feels better. They think they're getting better. So if they think they're getting better, they really are getting better. If they notice nothing, or you can even see an aggravation, and they don't feel, no, I don't, I don't think that everybody's helping me. If they don't think it's helping them, it's probably not helping them. So, you know, look again. And you're not hurting anything by, you know, going to another remedy. People say, oh, can I get sick from this? No, not at 30 C potency. You can't make yourself sick. But you definitely can make yourself better. And so I give, like, for flu or something, like we had it in the house last week, and I actually, there was, I wanted, <clears throat> okay, this is kind of funny, because I didn't know, my, my son had a really bad, um, he, he, he was home, they called me in the morning, I was right at the store, and they called me and said, he's sick. And I said, well, just leave him home, I'll come back and get him at noon. Tell him to take a hot tub, and I'll be back. Well, I never got back, because I got really busy, and I didn't go back home until 7 o'clock that night, get home, he's burning up with fever, and I said, oh my goodness, why didn't you call me? So I put him on a particular remedy, and I thought he was feeling better, he thought it was helping a little bit, but the next morning, he says, mom, I don't think those remedies are helping. I'm like, what the heck? I said, what is going on here? He says, take another hot tub, and anyway... Then he says, I wonder if it has something to do with my toe. And I said, what? High fever. I'm not kidding you. High fever. And he had developed a terrible cough. It's just a really wet, icky sounding cough. And I said, your toe? And he goes, yeah. Remember I told you? Her sister stepped on when they were dancing. And she literally damaged the, the, his toenail so bad that he had, it was all swollen and purple and infected. I just looked at I could not believe it. He hadn't, he said he told me. Okay, he probably did. I'm like, oh my gosh. I says, you know what, sweetie? I says, we need to change remedies. We're not going to treat you for the flu anymore. We're treating you for infection. So I then put him on Vicurious and Pyrogenium, and he started getting better. The toe went down, the redness started going away, and he started getting better. But he had developed all these other horrid symptoms because he had infection, and I didn't know it. Isn't, isn't that a good mother? Imperious and whatever. Mercurius and Pyrogenium. And, and both of those remedies are in the book. And I will say, for infection, people need to know how to get rid of infection because um, it works. I, it just really works. If you've got something that has gone secondary, Pyrogenium is the remedy for, and that's sepsis, okay? That's what it's in the blood. I don't always wait for it to go to the blood. I always just start giving Pyrogenium because that's going to kick it now. And then if, they, if they're sweaty and moist, then Mercurius is your remedy. If they're dry, then it's Hepersulf. And then I always like to throw silica into the mix because silica helps to get it out of the body. But with him, I was pushing it by just making him alternate two remedies. <laughs> so I didn't push the silica for him. And, uh, so, and it will kick an infection. I, it just really, really will, those remedies. Does that mean bladder infection? Um, Mercurius is the number, one of the number one bladder infection remedies as well. Um, cantharis, if it, you know, because everybody, it'll be the sensation. The general remedies for infection, though, are mercurius or hepersulf, depending on drier, wet skin, and pyrogenium, and then silica. Bladder infections are a whole different ballgame. That's kind of your remedy type of thing, you know. Because um, I've done a lot of bladder infection remedies or cases, and I've really not had two of the same. I can honestly tell you, it's usually their remedy because. The bladder, the kidneys, that's the kidney meridian that's almost always based on emotion. So when something, you know, say all emotion travels through the kidney meridian, and those are really sensitive people, and it's usually their remedy, you know. You can pacify it with things like, uh, you know, apis or cantharis, things like that, but it's still, it, it's their remedy usually. And what do you mean by their remedy? 
when for case taking. Everybody has. If there's one that normally works really good for you. Yes. Jeff's remedy is arnica. Mine's called nuts vomica. So if I have a really bad migraine or start to get a headache, I know to go to that one. But it may not work for my, for my son who gets migraines. He another remedy works for him. And that's yeah, where I get completely lost. That's, <laughs> but that's language. That's all in the language. Well, what if you, you feel like you're the type of person like Mary and I were just okay. talking a minute ago, and I was like, I always, I always envy my husband because he can say, oh, well, it's a dull type of pain, and I feel like this. I'm like, I don't know how I feel I'm sick. And I feel like that's the only thing, like, I'm like, I feel sick. You can't explain. Yeah, and I feel like... A good homeopath would be able to get the language from you, let me tell you. <laughs> and maybe, but I feel like I... I can't get it for myself to know. I know. Yeah. What kind of sick you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you will you will start you will start to see it though. The more you study, you will start to see it because there are certain keywords that that will pop out at you. Oh my gosh, that's me. You know. And um, but the thing is, is you know, it's not like you are that remedy. It's just that's the most likely when you're in a state of imbalance. That's the imbalance that you're feeling. And that's why like cures like, because it's so bizarre, it's so far out. But like I say, God is orderly. He has given us something that we can turn to that help bring back balance. And, you know, when I first started using homeopathy, I look back at my language, and there's a lot of language that I don't even use anymore because it's just, it's just gone. It was a s- severe state of imbalance, an acute situation. It's just gone. And um, so we're going to... Move on again a little bit here. <laughs> okay, um, so how long do you use them? I can I use them until I no longer need them. If something's not working, just stop, move on to the next remedy. And you said every 15 minutes. You can take it every 10 to 15 minutes, like for a, a very acute situation, like, if, um, like when I broke my leg, I literally carried things in my pocket and I was taking something every 10 or 15 minutes. They, well, I won't even go into my stories, but... Um, Oh, maybe I should because they're too fun. <laughs> but I broke, okay, seriously, I broke my leg. Not a big deal. Broke the fibula, you know, sticking out. So I go in, they reset it, put me in a cast. Six days, six or nine days later, I rebroke my leg inside the cast. Oh. I went to the doctor. I said I felt it break, and I had been suffering all night long. They couldn't get me until the next morning. I go back the next morning. They cut the cast off, this doctor does. And if my son wouldn't have been there holding my toes, I know she would have pulled my foot right off my leg. I went home. She tried to put my shoe on and tell me to walk out of there. It's all healed up. I said, lady, it was like a big bowl of jelly hanging at the bottom of my leg. I said, I, how are you, don't you touch my foot. <laughs> and she goes, well, how are you going to get out of here? I said, the same way I came in, on crutches. And so I left, and I got into, I spent the whole weekend on my stomach with my foot up because it, well, it was just turning, it was turning black. And so I got in the Monday morning at the foot and ankle specialist, and he said, I picked up Max Rose on the way. He says, you should have had surgery last week. He says, your foot has fallen 49.5% off your leg, and you have so much tendon and tissue damage. He says, we'll do what we can. He recasted me. I went back in for surgery three days later. And then I was in that cast for, I don't even remember how long. And so then, then I was in the boot. And, but I couldn't use that foot. It was, like, dead. So I, I, I would take it out of the boot, and I would try. They had me doing going to physical therapy and trying to do exercises and stuff. And I was taking. And that's when I was introduced to essential oils, by the way. Okay, that's another story. We will get to that because I, I don't want to talk about homeopathy all night. But anyway, um, so I was using essential oils, and I was using my homeopathic remedies. I had what I call the famous five, and I would 
start with them in the left pocket and I would take one, 15 minutes later I'd take the next one until they're all over here and I'd move them back all over here because it doesn't really matter which order you take them in. And my foot was, I was doing really well, but I just, I couldn't get this reflex, I couldn't bring it up again. And I said to my husband, I said, the word blockage keeps coming to me. And he's like, well, you know, so I did some research and, you know, injury, blockage, and acupuncture kept coming up. I'm like, oh, I've heard of that, you know. And <laughs> so he says, I think I should go to an acupuncturist. He's like, what? So he actually agreed to let me go. I went to an acupuncturist. I had three sessions. First one, I didn't notice anything. The second one, two days later, I was able to drive home with that foot. The third one, I didn't notice anything. Got rid of the blockage, and I continued to heal. But when I went in for my final checkup, the doctor says, now, Sue, I want you to know something. He'd re-x-rayed my foot. He said, um, got some really bad news. He said, you know, arthritis. He says, it, it sets in injuries like this. He said, I just want you to know that you will have arthritis within a matter of months, not years. And you'll never get full use of that, that foot back. You'll never have full range of motion back. I have full range of motion. I run, I jog. I, have, I forget I broke my leg a lot. But, and like I say, we'll talk about that when we talk about the oils more. But don't let, don't let the doctors tell you, what the, you know, what's going on. <laughs> and I was supposed to have knee surgery, too, because the knee was so damaged, that the tissue damaged. Because when I, the toe pit, okay, seriously, I had a bump on the top of my head because I fell back like that. And this leg was up underneath me, and this knee was just, I blew the knee. And so I was supposed to have knee surgery, and I never had knee surgery either. So remedies and oils work amazing, you know, they really do. So anyway, um, so how, and then if you, if you have like strep throat and you're taking the, like the infection remedies and any other remedies, like you can add Phytoloca or Phytolaca to that or any other things that, that match the symptoms and you can take a combination of remedies one at a time. You just, like I said, I was moving them from one pocket to the other. Um, so like for strep throat, I would take the phytolocal or lachesis or whatever matches, you know, if it's right side or left side, depending on if it's radiating or, you know. And then I like to take them for three days further if it was a known infection. And I say that because if you stop taking, you think you're better, but you're not quite better yet. If you get a relapse of symptoms, your, picture, your symptom picture could have changed and you, you might not be able to figure out your next set of remedies quick enough before, because a relapse can be very, very serious. And so I like to say, just take them three days further. You're not gonna, you know, no, in, no harm in that. And, but don't keep taking them for more than three or four days. Because um, you just don't want to get a relapse. Because like I say, homeopathy will work, it'll turn you around and say, ah, I don't have to take this anymore. You still need to rest, you still need to get good nutrition, and you know, keep taking the remedies. Um, I tell people, oh, I can't miss work. That's why everybody wants to be on drugs, because they can't miss work. They're not healing, they're suppressing their symptoms, and they're going back to work. They're exposing other people, and they're not getting better. They think they are, but they're not. You really do have to stay home and rest and take care of yourself. Hot tubs are Epsom salt. Hot tubs are my favorite cure for disease. We took, when we took our naturopath class, we're like, what the heck? In India, they think an Epsom salt tub is the cure for everything. And honestly, if you have... If you have and I, I do Epsom salt tubs. If you see Epsom salt, it's magnesium sulfate. We think of it as uh, like, like a sodium, but it's not. It's magnesium. And when your body, uh, when you sit in a really hot tub, break a sweat, and you can literally sit there until you start to cool, and then as the, body, the water starts to cool, your body will uptake the magnesium that it needs. Not any more than it needs, but enough. And in this country, we're so magnesium deficient that it's actually a lot of our, our ills is because of our magnesium deficiency. 
And so in India, that if you have cancer, they'll say, take two of those a week. But everybody else would still take one a week. And we live in Minnesota, and we don't sweat in the winter. So, you know, I tell my kids, uh, even if they're not sick, I say, you make sure you're getting one good hot tub a week at least to just to sweat it out. Because I wish we had a sauna. I keep telling my husband, you know how much water you'd save if you just got me a sauna? Because then you would be, then you'd be sweating out those toxins. And that's an excellent way of getting rid of toxins. But magnesium... When I did an Asperger's case one day, I was doing this research and I didn't realize it, but in homeopathy, we understand that <clears throat> in natural medicine that genetic diseases, they're genetic, but they never need to have to manifest themselves if the mother, it has proper nutrition. If she has everything in place, that genetic disease may not ever manifest. And they, like Asperger's is linked to magnesium deficiency. Um, just like, uh, well, Down syndrome is linked to thyroid issues and you know in CF selenium deficiency but there's always something there that's deficient you know in order for that to manifest and so the thing is is proper nutrition is so important and we're starving to death in this country we have a country full of obesity and yet we're all starving to death because we're not getting any nutrients you said down syndrome is a thyroid deficiency mm -hmm. really yeah it's like hypothyroidism yes no yes and so I have this the homeopathy for mommy's book hardcover here, and apparently we now have it on ebook, so that's kind of exciting. And you, so you can look up remedies very quickly. And in this book, what I do, and it's, they're in full color, so that the words are in blue and red that are going to be keywords that you're looking for, and they're alpha, alphabetical. And they talk about um, the remedy itself, what it's commonly used for in the acute world, and. Like I said, there's, uh, there's thousands of remedies. There's only 80 in this book. I, I would have loved to have another 80 as well. But... Um, that's book two. Yeah, that's book two. <laughs> there you go. But, so like when you, we talked about aconite already, but fright. And I, I laugh because I say if Napoleon would have had aconite on hand, they would have won the war. <laughs> because they all died because of exposure. And so... You, if you're like your husband's out changing oil, okay? He comes in, it's been on, out on the hard, cold ground underneath the car, and he comes in, and he's just chilled, sitting there, just chilled. I'm like, oh, I know, I, gotta, I should give you something. <laughs> so you go get the aconite so it doesn't get cold. Because it is from exposure, and it can be a heat exposure as well, but it's usually like the cold, the wind, the draft. If you take aconite, you won't get that cold that you would have gotten had you not taken it. My daughter had gone to with some friends to a church to give out um, something on... on Halloween, and she came back, and I said, so was it fun? Because they took the horses and everything, and it was it fun? And she's like, I'm freezing. And I said, did you take aconite? And she said, uh, I will. <laughs> and she didn't get sick. But I was angry because two hours had already gone by, and she was, she just actually looked sick to me already. And she, she knows. The kids know the rules, but, you know, oh, doctor, heal thyself, right? Um, and so uh, with, with you, we're saying hot bath once a week. Mm -hmm. How about if like my daughter's pregnant. Then, uh, I know, you can't really, you can't, no. can't do that when she's pregnant. But you can still soak your feet. You know, because your, your feet, so it's the most absorbent part of your body besides, you know, your tongue. And so sit with your little, do your little foot bath and put half a cup of Epsom salt in there. Make sure it's good and hot. Open up all those pores and kind of detox. And then as that water starts to cool, it'll, so it'll, it'll absorb the magnesium that it needs, the body well. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, we do this Thank all the time. Thank you, Mary. Now I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get the toe. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. 
I know, because I, I would even, when I was, I would get in all the way up to the baby, and I would just get it as hot as I could. Oh, I want to just, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I know, I'm one of those people that are better for warmth. Um, okay, uh, you, I would love to sit and go through this book. Um, we just don't have the time for that. But I will tell you that when that Ebola scare came through, I was like, I, I, oh, it just makes me so angry. Here's the cure for Ebola, okay? Crotalus. If it ever got to that point and you had hemorrhaging, because of the influenza, and it's in the influenza part of the book up here in the front. But I remember reading a book once upon a time, and, I, and when so Ebola came out and I was doing the research, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the historical disease that in Kristen Lavin's daughter, it was a trilogy, it was a Catholic trilogy, and I was reading it, and that, that did you read that book? When they were all of Europe was dying, but like literally they were stumbling over dead bodies, this, and it's historical fiction, it, or yeah, and I, um, Oh my gosh, so I just remember the nuns saying that we've found that if the blood comes to the surface, they're more likely to pull through than if they don't. And see, that's, that's the, the, they had in that book, they were describing the vitality. If the body is healthy enough to throw the symptoms outward, then you're more likely to live. If it's not healthy enough to throw the symptoms outward, you will die. And that's why I tell people you'll go to an insane asylum. You'll never see anybody with arthritis in an insane asylum. They're all healthy as little chickens running around, you know. <laughs> they just don't have a mind. Because the mind, for whatever happened to them, was not healthy enough to throw out the symptoms in the form of, you know, anger, rage, arthritis, kidney problems, you know, whatnot and so forth. And so the mind just breaks. And, and it, it's real. It's absolutely real. Because our bodies are, you know, like we have reflexology. I have these charts here I want to give you. Our whole body is a chart. And for wherever you feel your pain, that is, that is very um, indicative as to what kind of um, remedy you need. Where your weakness, your natural weakness is. Okay, I'll pick on myself here. I have a lot of natural weaknesses. <laughs> and this is why I love homeopathy so much because it helps me to see myself. And when I was 15 years old, my back started going out. My dad, I can remember my dad rubbing my back. And I did have scoliosis at the time. I didn't know it, but I did, because I can remember him saying, you know, you know, oh, you know, get these muscles, you're really tense, and da-da. And anyway, knowing now what I know about back problems, um, the, the mindset that goes behind it, I think, oh, I was only 15. Why would I have had back problems? And I think, oh my gosh, that's when my dad went crippled. And my mom had to go to work. She had never worked in her life. She had to go to work full-time. And I was the eldest daughter at home left to be responsible for the house, milking the cows, and still being on the bus at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so, but what happened, the, the people, when the back goes out, when the back, they have back problems, they're, and, and I'm not picking on anyone because this is just a healthy way for the mind to throw out its fears and its anxieties. So it throws it to the back. And the back says... I don't feel like I can get everything done that everyone expects of me. That's my mindset. So when my back bothers me even now, I start laughing and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm trying to do it all myself again. And then I also have knee, that, that knee. It's so funny because I healed up from this knee right away, but now I'm running this store. And I lifted this kneecap when I was 12 years old, too, and on a barrel because I used to run horses. And I've never had knee problems. I start running the store. My husband has to work full time. And about when I'm good. Monday and Tuesday, oh, I can do anything. <laughs> Come about Wednesday, I'm limping at the store. <laughs> what happened? The people with bad knees. You know, it's like, 
Granny walking with a cane. Come here, honey, come and help Granny. I need help. That's the mindset behind bad knees and hips, things like that. Because we need help. And so I have to laugh again. When my knee starts bothering me, what do I say? I say, okay, Lord, seriously, this isn't even funny anymore. I'm trying to rely on you instead of just my husband. And as soon as I can offer that up and, and admit that to myself, that this is my weakness, my knee starts feeling better. You're taking on more than you can handle. Well, no, I think I'm taking on more than I can handle. Because you can only do what you can do, and you should be at peace with that. You, you should, it, your mind shouldn't start to struggle and have to throw out these symptoms. And so, yes, we can take the homeopathic remedies to help us, but I've gotten to the point now where I can just admit my weakness and my pain goes away. It's very, it's, you know, but the homeopathic remedies really, really will help to heal. Like I've had people, my first phone consult was a, a woman calling her husband and had two MRIs. He was, his knee was all swollen and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. And I'm like, ma'am, ma'am. And she keeps talking, talking, telling me all these tests he's had and how much pain he's in and da, da, da. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. She goes, yes. I says, is it worse for motion or better for motion? You'll find two remedies in here, Roostox and Bryonia. And you can look at worse for motion, better for motion. That's, that's what they're called. And she says, oh, worse. He can't even get out of the chair. And I'm like, give him Bryonia 30C. She calls my other friend two days later to tell her that her husband is miraculously better. The swelling is down, and he's up walking around. And I, I told my friend, I said, just tell her that this will always work for him, you know, because it's, it's the mind throwing it out. And so I was walking down the beach yesterday and <laughs> watching all these people walking by, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm diagnosing them. If you want to stay by, you, know? <laughs> you just want to run up and start giving them remedies. Sue, so, um, you have that 10-hour CD audio, and in the audio on the different um, talks, you had gone Okay. Probably the, the page numbers are going to be off a little bit just okay. because you've updated your book. That's true. You're but right. Is it going to have information about the book so that? It, it's, yes. Every remedy is described in there. I went through the book. Okay. Yes, on that 10-hour so, CD. So talk about what that CD. Is. Okay, I actually did that quite a long time ago, so I'm not real familiar with. Haven't li- haven't gone back and listened to it for a while, but I I did that and because it's like I'm afraid. People aren't going to know about, about homeopathy. And I want every single caregiver to know as much about homeopathy as you can. So I, I did a 10-hour CD. Uh, or It's 10 CDs. I don't know exactly how many hours it is. But I go through the entire book and all the different remedies. And I tell my stories. I tell some of the stories about my daughter, how, how when she was released from the hospital, the neurosurgeon said, you know, I just want you folks to know, 50% of this type of head injury don't live. The other 50% don't get better. Not like this. I've never seen this. And that was the miracle of Arnica. And I go through, and I do tell those stories on that, those CDs, and I do tell about every remedy, a little bit about each and every remedy, how it's used, the main key points about that remedy, how they're used acutely. So I, I do. So, yes. And that's available on your... Um, and that's available on homeopathyformommiesradio.com. And... There'll be a link there on radio. Okay. Okay. There'll be a link there on how to purchase it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a real good salesman, but I'm, I'm working on it. I, want, I do want to sell everything there is to sell about homeopathy because it does work. Uh, you know, like my son when he was eight years old, and I know he had meningitis, and my husband just, he didn't have meningitis. This, I think I tell the story either in the book or on, on the radio show or whatever. Two weeks after 
he got better. My husband come home, pasty white. He had just found out that the school district where he worked had been closed for two weeks. Wasn't on the radio, wasn't on, in the newspaper, not on TV, nothing. Two boys had died from viral meningitis. And so he's, he believed me after that. You know, it's, 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 I'm serious. It's amazing how um, homeopathy just works, especially for those, those super acute situations. All right. So I, I, I'm going to go back. I don't know what time it's getting to be. Oh, we got lots of time. <laughs> okay. I, I do want to talk about um, a little more about the, the homeopathic remedies, and then we're going to start talking about some essential oils and how to use everything together. But the homeopathy, um, the main thing that you have to understand with homeopathy is if you're going to use it, you have to assume that that is going to be your go-to. So like if somebody is injured and they're hemorrhaging, you want Arnica to be able to work. So my family does not use any mints. We use only cinnamon toothpaste or baking soda, equal amounts of baking soda and coconut oil. This is my favorite toothpaste. Um, mixed with a little bit of cinnamon bark oil, and that's what we use for toothpaste. Um, you don't want to use any mints, yes? I was going to say, explain why. Explain why. Because baking soda and what else? Baking, equal amounts of baking soda and coconut oil, and then I put in cinnamon bark oil to, to flavor it. It's awesome toothpaste. But you don't use mints because camphor will cancel 90% of all the homeopathic remedies. And I'm talking camphor, camphor constituents are in peppermint, spearmint, wintergreen, rosemary, tea tree, eucalyptus. So don't use any of them. I don't use, I have them. And if I, like say for instance, I had, um, I, I do use them on rare occasions, um, but I, I keep them in a, a separate area so no one's actually, I don't even sell them in my store because I don't want someone act buying those and then wondering why the homeopathic remedies don't work. Wow. I only sell oil or homeopathic safe or friendly oils in my store. And we'll go through some of those. There, there's a section in the book, don't know the page right off, that tells some of the oils that you, you cannot use and expect homeopathic remedies to work. I'm not saying you can never use those oils. I'm just saying you have to choose. And then people come and say, well, I use peppermint for pain. And I'm like, peppermint is awesome. I said, but you, if that's what you're going to do, don't expect any homeopathic remedies to work. Any, almost any. It, that will cancel 90%. Wow. Yes. And um, I know Rajan, other, you know, a famous homeopath was asked, how long do these mints stay in your body? He said, up to five weeks, depending on, oh yes. So now, when you say rosemary, is that even the herb rosemary, rosemary that you put on? Well, I wouldn't worry about it in an no. herb. Okay. Um, it's just that if it's an essential oil, there is some camphor constituents there. Okay, it's not a lot, but there is some tea tree. There's not a lot. Eucalyptus. There's not a lot, but you use. The, but they're there. So, but like if I, I had a lady once, she wasn't responding to any homeopathic remedies for, with um, for her gallbladder attack. So I just literally gave up on the homeopathic remedies and, and did a hot compress of rosemary essential oil over her gallbladder. The attack went away. So, you know, you just kind of got to be able to work with it. And, but I just told her, I says, you know, homeopathic remedies are going to work for you now for a while. But I don't use mints because I want arnica to be able to work in an emergency. Yes? So it's the camphor in the mints? It's the camphor in the mints, yep. That's bad. That's, it's not bad. It will just cancel the homeopathic remedies. And so... And like I said, so, like, for instance, somebody came in and they had um, some sort of rotary cuff issue going on and they were using mints on that and they wanted me to help them with homeopathic remedies and I said, I can't. I said, because my famous five, to heal that situation going on there, 
is not going to work because you're using the mitts. You just have to choose, that's all. And, you know, in a situation like that, I would definitely choose homeopathy over an essential oil because the essential oil can nourish, but it doesn't tell the body to heal. And that's why I, use, I only use essential oils and herbs to nourish the body. I don't expect them to heal anything. Like when I was using the oils, I couldn't afford the super expensive oils for my leg, my knee. And so I used spruce, fir, and lemongrass together, and I just mixed up a carrier oil. I actually probably, I don't know if I have it with me. Um, no, I don't. Um, anyway, mixed it up with a carrier oil, and I would just use that two or three times a day. And it nourished those muscles, bones, and tendons so well that I healed up completely and, you know, didn't need surgery. And I'll tell you even a better story about that. Because <laughs> I, I have these these creams down here now. I actually have a sprain injury cream as well with the spruce, fir, and lemongrass in it. But um, my butcher, I went to pick up some meat one day and I'm like, I look and I said, what the heck happened to you? Because I figured he got, you know, maybe a bull knocked him down or something because he actually goes out to the farm and, and he's like, oh, jackhammer. And he came, a jackhammer accident. He came, he had this big quilted brace around his leg and he's walking like this. He said, Sue, I've been to a couple of chiropractors and naturopaths. And he says, and they said, tell me I'm inoperable. And he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because he would jog like eight miles every day before he even started his work day. Because I'd see him out running past our area. Anyway, and I said, well, have you tried homeopathy? And he's like, his wife heard me. She come running over with a checkbook. And she's how much do we need? And I said, Paul, I would recommend five remedies and this, this, this cream. And she goes, I don't care. I don't care how much it costs. Just send it to me. So I did. I went right home. I was so excited. I'm like, please, God, let this work because you know, just, she's so excited. And I sent the remedies and I, and I, with the instructions how to take them and how, how to use the cream. And a week to the day, my cow went down. And I, oh, I left the house and I took my kids and I left because we had to have her butchered. So I left my husband home and here come. Uh, anyway, so afterwards he says, yeah, he wanted me to tell you thanks for saving his life. And I said, what? He says, yeah, he was actually out jogging the day before he had to come here. Six days. He probably, probably um, well, I got it in that day's mail right away. So he had only been using the remedies and the, the cream like for four days tops. And he had gone out and jogged the day or the, either the day before or the day he had to come butcher my cow. Now and those five remedies are the same you used for the... Well, yeah, it's the same. With the, I call the famous five. They just all work they? together to complement each other. They're in here somewhere. Oh. <laughs> so you want to look to the books, see if you can find where they're at. I don't know if it's under injuries back here. And I just called the famous five. It's basically Arnica. It's Arnica, Hypericum, Rustox, Bryonia, and... Hypericum. Yeah, I said, yeah. Didn't I say Hypericum? Arnica, Hypericum, Bryonia, Rustox, and Rudigraph. And they will take care of tendons and muscles like nobody's business. It's amazing. If you have a broken bone, you can add Symphytum. To that mix and it'll heal the broken bones super well too so but I'm serious these things actually work and I, I couldn't stand here and tell you stories if it wasn't true you know and tetanus like my daughter she was in the hospital she had um, or she's three years old she's had so many accidents that was a head injury girl but anyway this other time the dog stepped she's like right the doggy golden retriever and so the dog got sick of it he stood up one day and he boom down like this kind of and his side cloth, scratched her face on the way down and got her, her ear, but he, he cut her right here on the nose. Oh, shoot, she's only two and a half years old. I'd take her in for stitches. And so they get in there and say, of course, she's all up to date with her immunizations and everything, right? And I'm like, no, I don't immunize. 
what? <laughs> they freaked out. And they, they say, well, we have to, we have to immunize, and then we'll have to give her the globulin, and da-da-da. I says, no, you don't. You're not immunizing. I says, I have homeopathic remedies. I know how to use them. <laughs> he says, we are not putting stitches in until she gets immunized. I said, well, then we will take her elsewhere. You can't. You have to immunize. I said, no, I don't. I have rights. I'm the parent here. Oh, my gosh. Five nurses took off running. And pretty soon here they come back with a big raft of papers. The doctor was not happy, but I signed like 20 sheets of paper so that they, I wouldn't have to immunize my daughter. But the thing is, is and I, he says, you know what, terrible diseases. Says, yeah, I, I seen a horse die of tetanus once. It was the most horrible thing you can even imagine. The nose literally curved back to touch the top of the tail, and it screamed. It screamed until it died. The horse did. The horse did. And see, we didn't know about homeopathy 50, 60 years ago, whatever. Yeah. Not how old am I? I was just a little kid. It was, it was my uncle. He had a, a ranch. Anyway. The signing you did was to keep them from the, Yes, right. And as I tell moms, I say, I shouldn't have said, I don't immunize. I should have just nodded and smiled. Broad mental reservation, you know. I no longer tell doctors I don't immunize. I just say, oh, we have the, you know, there's the flu in the house, or the kids have had the sniffles, I'm just going to put it off for a while. Don't ever tell them you don't believe in immunizations, because then you will be red flagged, and they will always be calling you, telling you you've got to get little Joey in, in here for immunizations. So I just, like even my last few kids, I just said, uh, you know, and we're just going to put off a little bit, just a little bit older, or just till the sniffles are out of the house. They finally forget about you, you know, and stop calling you. But, um, and, and if you go in and they give you a prescription, people say, should I get this checked out? And I say, well, if you feel you need to, absolutely go to the doctor and get it checked out. And then if they give you a prescription, fill it. And then go home and don't use it if you choose not to use it at home. But always fill your prescriptions, otherwise your file is red flagged again. And you don't want to be a dissident. You do not want to be known as a dissident. Just do everything they tell you to do and thank them. Thank them and profusely for helping you because it's very important that you don't get, you know, this little black <laughs> label in your file. But anyway, so homeopathy really, really works. And uh, I use the oils and the herbs for nutrition. I use things like bentonite clay um, and diatomaceous earth. And because they're cheap and they work. I use this for a poultice. I actually had a tooth extracted. I had a, a bad, um, I don't know how much you guys know about the teeth, but back in the day I fell for the fact that I should have a, a root canal done and nothing but trouble for 15 years. So finally I had told them to take this petrified lump of disease out of my, <laughs> it was awful. It was petrified and he couldn't get it pulled and so he had to cut it off. Well, all this metal, just I was breathing all this metal for an hour and a half and they had to cut the roots so they take one out at a time. And a week to the day I came down with gout, thinking I had, um, you know, wow, you know, gout, okay. And so I was taking homeopathic remedies, nothing was working. I'm like, okay, no coincidences in this life. If there's a coincidence, you need to search that out because there really are none. And so... I said, I'm gonna, I had the tooth extracted a week ago. The gout's on the same side that the tooth was extracted from. I know it's heavy metal poisoning. I started looking it up. Sure enough, much, actually, if not most gout is due to heavy metal poisoning versus uric acid. So I poulticed some that night clay and the directions when I saw it in my store are right here on the front. And a good, <clears throat> a good um, amount is like two tablespoons per cup. You can make it thicker. If you want to drink it, you can make it really thin, and that will help pull the toxins. But if you start doing something like that, if you make a concoction to drink to get, because once this is mag, um, at water added, it becomes magnetic, 
And if you drink it, a lot of naturopaths will have their patients detox that way for heavy metals. And, but you gotta, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it for a long period of time so that it doesn't start drawing these heavy metals and then stop before you are, have a chance to get the heavy metals out of the body because it will pull them out. And so I use it, like I put it on the bottom of my foot and it took two and a half days. I wrapped, I pulled this the bottom of my foot and then I wrapped plastic around it, left my little toe sticking out. Otherwise, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And, and then I did it that night, I, for two nights, and the next morning, so it was like half that day, and then two more nights, so it was like two and a half days. And then at the end of that time, all the pain was gone, all the swelling was gone, and I scratched the bottom of my foot right here, and it, it broke loose, the skin broke, and it was like little tiny shavings, metal shavings, came out of my foot in one little spot. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. So I tell people about this because you can detox, for real. I mean, and you're like, do you remember those little foot pads? I remember years and years ago they had them on TV. Yes. I'll bet that's what was in them. Uh, I'll just bet. And that's now, the toy. Yeah. It's but the you can't use that if you have like metal the fillings, the amalgam fillings. Or I read something one time. Well, I do. Yeah. Well, if like if somebody has cancer or something, I don't think I would ever, you know, because I, I, I have a mouthful of mercury. And they say if you've had mercury in your mouth for over 20 years... Uh, it's just really senseless to try and take it out. <laughs> um, and, well, that and all my teeth are full of it. You know, I, I couldn't even afford it. Just like forget it. Just they stick say it that it's, I talked to a dentist about it. Uh -huh. and he said that whatever your body has absorbed is already absorbed. Yep. There's no more really exactly. left. Because I I talked about taking it out. Yep. And he said you're you're I can do it, but it's not going to affect your health right. at this point. Yep. Because your body's already absorbed everything. Right. Especially if it's been a lot. Yeah, and they say after 20 years, it's like, it doesn't have any good. There's nothing. Like, yes. Would it help to make that? Uh, oh, I think so. I, you know, if a person actually had the time or the initiative to go ahead and do that on occasion, I think it's, it's always good to detox your body. Sure. And we're being exposed to heavy metals all the time. And water is a huge issue. I know, um, you know, of course, we don't we think about our water. I remember when bottled water first came out, I started laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, what a joke this is, selling water, right? And now they've got the water so toxic everywhere that we have to drink bottled water, but, or run it through a carbon filter because carbon will actually take out the halogens as well. You know, like your fish will die if their water is contaminated. So that's why they have the carbon filters in the fish tanks. It's, it's taking out those halogens and things like that. So that, you know, and so if you use a carbon filter, you know, that, that's a good thing. So anyway, the, the essential oils with homeopathy, like I said, my leg, um, I was trying to think, Okay, here's the best story about essential oils. And this is why I brought the massage bed and I thought I'd show you guys how to do a raindrop because um, I know I have so many stories you think I'm just, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't believe me either, but this is true. <laughs> when, when I first started using the essential oils, I fell absolutely in love with them. And because I had three months to lay around with this broken leg, and do and research on my homeopathy, and I started researching the herbs because, well, I won't even go into that other story. But I started using the, home, the essential oils, and I started reading about them, and I thought, well, I'm going to get really into this. I'm going to start doing these raindrops. I'm going to start curing people because I knew with homeopathy, and you'll see right here, I sell these little, uh, um, I call them um, immunization cleanup, okay? And I talk about this in my book. It's the Anuthuya. And... Compton Burnett, he taught, he wrote, wrote a book in 1903, and it's called um, Vaccinosis 
and its cure by Thuya. Okay, 1954, von Grevogel added the remedy not self to that because it aids the action of the Thuya. The Thuya is the remedy that's doing all the work. So anyway, I did this with my family, and then what the immunization cleanup is is when you're vaccinated, your body. It says, oh my gosh, what the heck just happened here? And so it suppresses that immunization to the deepest part of the body that it can. Where is that? It's the spinal fluid, okay? And when we're whamming these immunizations into our children like this, it's like you're tightening. You, you take a rope and you keep tightening and tightening and tightening, tightening. That rope will begin to twist and curve. They say 90% of all scoliosis, is lateral scoliosis, is due to immunization suppression. All right? And I thought, oh, how can they say that? that? You know, it's like, why would they keep doing it if that's really causing all the scoliosis? Like, check all these little kids in school. How many of them have scoliosis? Yep, 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 yep. You know, set them aside, go to the nurse, tell your mom. Anyway, Thuya and that self will help to null, it will actually nullify the harmful effects of immunizations. And by that, I say what it does is it'll bring back all the things that your body suppressed unnaturally, and it'll bring them back. You'll, you'll feel like, okay, the first thing I felt was, I did this right after I broke my leg, and the first thing I felt was this lightning streak come up my leg. And I'm like, well, that was funny, because I forgot how that felt, you know? And it was just little things that I would feel. And I, I suffered strep throat when I was growing up after my smallpox vaccination, and I had it every fall. Um, in the fifth grade, I actually missed five weeks of school, because I had it, I was out for two days, two weeks, I went back to school, got a relapse, and I was out for another three weeks. And when I came back, I was not the same child. I had 12 teeth go out in eight months. Um, they had to drill them all out and put in fillings. And I, could no, I was no longer top of the class. Even my handwriting. I, looked, I was looking back one day, and I said to my mom, oh my gosh, look at this letter I wrote, because I was going through an old barrel. I was 10 years old, and I wrote a letter because my friend had been burned. I was going to send it to him in the hospital. Obviously, I never sent the letter. But it was perfect. You, it looked like it had been mimeographed. You know, like it was a perfect, like today's font, you know, on the computer. I had perfect handwriting. I, was, I excelled in school. After that, I can remember looking at my math paper and crying because I couldn't figure out which number to count first. Just sitting there and just totally confused in math. And my teacher took me out in the hallway. She said, Susie, I think we're going to have to put you down in math class. And I begged her, please don't do that to me. I'll get it. I'll get it. I was never a good student again, ever. And so that was my smallpox story. And, you know, it's kind of funny because guys coming back from, from Iraq and things like that now, I had a guy come in, autoimmune disease. They all come back with autoimmune diseases now, by the way. And he come in, and I was taking his case, and I said, so I put him on the three net self-cleanup, and he calls me a few days later, and he says, first round, he seen nothing. He didn't have anything come back. And I'm like, ugh, wait for the storm to hit. So his body was in such deep suppression that it wouldn't let anything come back. He says, okay, go off it for the eight, five to eight days, and then we'll go back on it again. And when he did, he called me. He says, I know this is inappropriate, but can I come and show you my chest? So he come and he comes to the door. He looks around for the kids, and he pulls up his shirt, and he had these huge red boils all over his chest. And I'm like, I think we need to see your immunization records. And I said, just stop everything. And, you know, so anyway, he goes and gets his records. He brings it back. And sure enough, in 18 months, he had 23 vaccinations. Three of those were smallpox boosters. In the and, army. Yes. And if you called the World Health Organization right now and say, where's the last smallpox outbreak? And they'd say it's been eradicated since the 50s. We got rid of it when we gave everybody immunizations. So why are they still giving these smallpox vaccinations? You tell me. Anyway, that's what's happening. This is the immunization cleanup. And someday it's going to be mandatory. Like um, in Australia right now, um, I have a new grandbaby on the way. 
And um, my son's like, don't worry, Mom, I'm not going to cave to the pressure. Because they will, the government will, will withhold $2,000 per child if you don't immunize. And, and yeah, so my, my da- new daughter-in-law's sister just caved because they have four children. And they waited till well, the babies, a year and a half, they did immunize all four children now. But she, that's $8,000 difference in their income. So anyway, it's just, you know, so it's, it's coming. They're working on it really, really hard. So if you ever have to, we know a friend. And she has a son in Army or Air Force, Special Forces. And My he, son goes June. Really? 15th. So we give Thuya and Natsal three days prior, especially the Thuya, three days prior to vaccinations, three days after. They us, they're usually announced. They usually know when they're going to get them. And her son claims that him and his buddy that does this with him will be the only two in a company of 120 that don't get deathly ill after immunizations. So we know it works. So this is very important to understand and know. So once you've done the immunization cleanup, now your body's free to start healing. Now, um, and believe me or not, but like I said, I, start, I knew I had scoliosis at 15, and it just continued to get worse. Every, I, have, I have 11 children, by the way. Did I say that? I do. So after baby number six, I threw my back out really bad. I was sitting on the floor just doing some stretching when he was a few weeks old, and I popped, my back popped, and I just like, couldn't breathe, fell to the side, I made my husband take me to the chiropractor, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, it was so painful, and I found out that I just, I, I did something here, um, ripped a tendon or something, anyway, it was, a, it was a bad chiropractor, I think he's telling, he's giving me a story, okay, I don't know what was really wrong with me, and I, I, I went there every week, once or twice a week for six months, I was getting worse and worse, I got, I couldn't even pick my baby up anymore at all, I told my medical doctor, I need help. I, I can't take care of my kids. So he sent me to the spine clinic, and they just told me that I had um, 8% curvature, but they don't want to put me in a, a brace until I'm at 10%, and so then, you know, I can come back. And I'm like, Ugh. but they did send me to physical therapy. Thank goodness they had the foresight to do that. And physical therapy taught me some exercises to strengthen some muscles to compensate, and I started walking a mile and a half every day. Every day. At 5.30, I went for a walk every day. And I learned to live with that, and I could feel it coming on, and I would, you know, stretch, and I'd do my exercises, and I didn't fail my exercises. But I, I, like I said, I had gotten so bad that when, so I was trying to think, my daughter's been married 12 years ago, I was sitting in one of those medic chairs, you know, the roller goes up and down, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't sit in it because it was, my vertebrae at that point right here was, oh, a full inch off over here. And so, I was like, oh, you know, I knew I was shrinking and everything, and so I didn't think that much of it. Did the theory in itself, never intending to actually have anything good happen with my back, but I started giving raindrop massage. I never actually got a raindrop. I was only giving them. So in other words, I was absorbing the oils by giving these raindrops. I was giving three and four a week to family members just because it's so fun. <laughs> and uh, anyway, after about, after about three weeks, three, three and a half weeks of doing that, I started feeling this going right up, I just this tickle go right up my spine. And I'm whoa, whoa, my back felt, that, that was funny. And it would just, I just giggled. It just felt so amazingly light and wow. It's like butterflies right up my spine. And that's interesting to note too, because all healing goes from below up. You want to see all healing up and out or from within outward. So if there's something going on on the inside and you develop a rash once you start treatment, that's a good sign because it's coming out. And you never want to see anything head south. If you've got a nasal infection, you take a homeopathic remedy, it starts heading to the lungs, that's the wrong direction. Take a dose of phosphorus to bring it back up again. 
You know, oh, that's the way, it's the course of healing in all disease. So anyway, I felt this going up my spine, and I'm, you know, I felt that for maybe a week, week and a half, and I said, oh, it's so funny. So I sit on the floor again, stretching, and I just felt so limber that day, and I reached back, and I felt my back, and I just squealed. Carrie, come and feel it. She goes, what am I feeling? I said, my spine, it's straight. Isn't it straight? She goes, yeah, Mom, except right here. You got my vertebrae was still out of place. It had been out for so long that when the spine actually straightened, this vertebrae was still sticking out here. So my other daughter, who I had kind of been teaching massage to, I, I says, put my, can you pop that back in for me? Oh, Mom, I can't do that. I said, sure you can, honey. Just do what I've been showing you. And I was showing her how to, how to just run her fingers up the spine. And, you know, after she, she did the massage on me, and she was able to pop it right back in. And after two months, she had to do it again, and it's never been out since, and I have a perfectly straight spine. Before I went to Australia for my son's wedding, I, I, was, I threw my hip out because I was trying to carry this great big huge tree because I knew it was going to be cold when I got back, so I, I wanted to take it from home down to the store. Yeah, it's kind of heavy, and I should have had some help. But anyway, I threw my hip out, and I'm like, oh, I can't go to Australia like this. Go to the chiropractor, said, please pop it in. She goes, I Sue, I can't do that just like that. I says, I have to get on the plane in an hour and a half, please. So she, she got my hip in, and I was telling her my spine story. She goes, oh, man, I wish I could have seen your spine before it straightened. I said, so you think it's straight, too? And she goes, yeah. She goes, get a little discoloration here, because I do have quite a bit of tissue damage where it was out for so many years. But see, it's just amazing. if you give the body what it needs, it will heal itself. And the thing about like the essential oils that I use for the raindrop, that's... Um, I use, like I said, they're all friendly to homeopathic remedies. So I can use homeopathic remedies to heal, and then I use essential oils. And the basil is, they say, the one that actually helps to really kill the virus in the, in the vertebrae or in the, in, the, in the spinal cord. And basil will, and then um, basil straightens and the spruce will hold it. So we have, um, you know, so I use oregano, basil, thyme, and marjoram. They're excellent for killing virus. I use cypress, cedarwood, frankincense, um, and then we, we like to use um, a carrier, you know, any carrier oil that you want. I like, to, I like to add lemongrass because I actually like to have something there that smells good, and it's excellent for muscles, bones, and tendons. And any, any of the wood oils are what we use for their muscles, bones, and tendons, but they're also excellent for like lung tissue as well. And so when you're killing virus and things like that, you're strengthening the lung tissue, and you're actually helping the whole body, the muscles. Yes? Okay, so explain the, where does the word raindrop come from? I think that would be from Gary Young. I think he developed the, the raindrop technique. And, yep. And I know Gary Young, he, um, if, you know, essential oils have been around for thousands of years. And we, we have to be very thankful to him for all his knowledge. Yes? I was just reading something, I was on a Catholic site, and they were saying something about the oils being new agey. Oh. And like you were saying about, I, wanted, I was hoping you would re-say that you don't think, because oh. I tried really, really hard to stay away from that, and I was like slightly heartbroken, because I really like the oils. They're not new age at all. I feel like they really work, and I think that it was a miscommunication between a priest and somebody wanting their essential oils blessed. So I think the priest was like, well, why are you using these? Why don't you just, if you are if you want less oil, you should just use whole oil. Oh. So I think it was a miscommunication, <laughs> but people were, you know how logs and stuff right. get really, you right. know, everybody like takes it and runs. Um, yep. So then somebody else said, yeah, I've heard that too. So I was kind of, because no. um, you had said the same thing with the, the remedies, yep. but they're not. No, uh, in fact, it was spikenard that Mary Magdalene broke. 
to pour on our Lord's feet. And they, uh, the disciples well, I mean, said, why are you wasting that? Give it to the poor. You know. And, yeah. and spikenard is a very, it's a, it's a great healing oil as well. I've actually used it in the past, but... Well, frankincense. And frankincense, <laughs> yes. And frankincense, I, I, and the people say there's, there's like, um, what do you call it? Vazamaria? Well, holy, what do they call it? You said, all frankincense is, when it's harvested... Sacred? The, the, sacred, whatever. All frankincense is harvested only once a year, and it's a religious ritual, and it's in, you know, like it's in the Holy Land. In one place. Yep, and they go in, the men, it's a, like I said, it's a religious ceremony, the men go in and slash the trees, and when the resin has oozed from the trees, the women and the children go in and harvest. And so when it's gone for the year, it's gone. And it's, it's just that simple. And yes? When you said to kill viruses for lung tissue, which, what was it? Um, for lungs, I actually my my favorites are um, um I my favorites are frankincense, spruce, fir, um, yeah, all the wood ones. Yep, they're you know they're excellent for your muscles and 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 tendons, but they're also really excellent for your lung tissue. And I can honestly say spruce is like my favorite. <laughs> I just I just love it. I it, I it just warms me so much and. That's the one I always reach for when the grandkids are there. I can put it on straight. It's not gonna. It's not gonna burn them, and it's. It's just gentle. It makes you feel calm and sleepy and relaxed, and it opens everything up. And you put it on anybody, and they're gonna sleep for the night. That's they just. That's why we like yeah. our Christmas trees. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a frankincense story. I I was using it right a tiny bit above my eyelids and underneath my eyes, and. Recently, people have asked me what I use for um, makeup and lotion, and I say I don't use any moisturizer because they say I'm looking younger, which is not was not my purpose of it. But when I went to the eye doctor, he was really puzzled because my normal is higher pressure. And so he goes, this is really weird, and he talked to the technician or whatever, and she showed him the numbers. And I said, well, what's weird? And he said... Normally, your pressure is higher, which is your normal. Because when, when I first went to him and he saw my eye pressure, I had all these tests, but over the last 20 or something years, I've been going to him, and he goes, this is the first time your pressure has ever been really normal. Wow. So that was interesting. So where did you put it? Um, well, only if you have high pressure, but like a, a tiny bit on the eye lid, on the eye um, lids, and then a tiny bit underneath. It will burn. Uh -huh. I have a very strong, um, you know, really good. See, I have it in one of the roller balls, and I put the frankincense on my head when I have a headache, and I've been getting like the half a head headaches that have been really bad since I've been pregnant. And um, that helps. Frankincense does help, and I put it here, and then I'll sometimes put it here because that's where. Well, frankincense is the only element on the face of the planet that's identical to the human megahertz. We have the same. It's the same frequency. Yeah. Because yeah. I know a lot of people use lavender, but I haven't had... Um, I use lavender for infection. I always have, I keep it in my first aid kit. A lavender is excellent for infection. Are oils similar to homeopathy in that certain, certain oils are your oils and certain, or is that a little bit easier to... I don't know. I've never, I, I don't know. Uh, it could, I mean... We, we have an affinity for certain things, yeah, of course. Sometimes people will say... I think, know, it, well, I think that it does work for headaches. And I know different things seem to work for different people's headaches. Uh -huh. but, um, but, I mean, I've... Yes, we I all respond to things differently. 
Yes. But I use the On Guard on the kids, and I mean, in the past year and a half, I've had the oils. That's the Deuterra. Yes, the Deuterra, like, um... It's a, it's a combination oil. It's their, they're like, for Leon Living, it would be Thieves, and Deuterra has, it's called, um, It's on called On Guard. Okay. But, like, when anybody gets sick, like my son said, he had a sore throat, and I went and put it on everybody's feet that night, and the kids, like, love it. They think it's, like, even okay. my... 16-month-old, she'll get her feet up and <laughs> thinks it's the greatest thing. But he had a sore, he went to bed with a sore throat, and so the next morning I asked him how he was doing, and his sore throat was gone. Yep. And when everybody used to get sick, I could feel like I had a sore throat, and by the time I got done rubbing everybody's feet, my throat felt better. Wow. We have not what had... What have you put on? It, like, it's, a, it's a blend, but it, Deuterra sells it, and it's on guard. And, and we have, have just I just put it on the bottoms of their feet. And, but we have not had one sickness that everybody in the house has got. Which, with, a, with you having 11 kids and me having six kids, that's like major. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to sit there and count how long we were not going to be out in public because I was going to have to wait for the flu or this runny, awful cough to go through all the kids plus me and then my husband would end up yep, getting it. Exactly. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty amazing to have, like my husband and I had a cold. And I just kept putting stuff on the kids the entire time we were sick, and they never got it. Wow. And that was like two weeks ago, and then, like yep. I said, my son had a sore throat for like, you know, yep. two hours. Yeah. And now it's like, you just have to tell me as soon as it happens. Yep. Um, okay. So. So, going back to the massage, first of all, why would you do the raindrop massage? Just because it's therapeutic. Well, back when I started, back when I started doing it, I, I was aware of all the viruses, uh, the immunizations. That was my first, that was, that was key in my world. And so then when I was doing the research, they, you know, they were using it to, to cure, well, the, the gal that introduced me to oils, she actually met Gary Young. Her dad went down to Mexico for liver treatment with Gary Young and he died anyway. But she said, I know if my dad would went earlier before it was so advanced, he would have gotten better. And she believed wholeheartedly in oils. Anyway, she came up and she showed me how to do it. And she introduced me, and, uh, and I, I just, like I said, I started doing research like nobody's business. And I said, there's so much to learn here. And, you know, because people say, oh, I, I don't need homeopathy, I do oils. And I'm like, I do too, you know. They all have their place, but they work so well together. And it's not really hard, you know, to start learning to, to use them all. And um, it's like I say, I have, in t the last 20 years, of course, you, you have to go to the doctor when you have a serious head injury, but I haven't had, I haven't had my kids to the doctor in, in, in 20 years. It's just, you know, we've, we've done it all with oils and, and homeopathy, and so that's what I just want people to understand. You can do it yourself, and you don't even have to be afraid. Oh, can you tell me, can you tell your daughter's story, though, when she had the child with the, the high fever? Because that's such an awesome story, and the reason, I, I do remember, I, I told her daughter, because she called me, and because his mom says that you have something for, for my son. I'll let her tell it. But I told her, before you do this, you have got to stop chickening out. You have to let this child bring this fever back. And you have to, before this happens again, you need to go through the house and throw out all, all the fever reducers, all the all this pharmaceutical things you have in the house that you could possibly give this child when you freak out and get scared because of this high fever. So she, she said she'd do that. She, apparently she did. So I'm going to let her tell the story. Well... This is my oldest grandson. He would get a fever every, I would say, six to eight weeks. He would get a fever. 
And she would always call me and say, Mom, what do I do? And I said, well, I said, you know, I'd say belladonna, aconite, um, you know, the different, I'd tell her to do the oils, but she would always chicken out and do the Tylenol or whatever the heck they give. I don't even know what they give kids, but because I never did it with my kids. So anyhow. What did fever for? Well, it was always a low grade. It was never 102 or 3. It was always 101, 101 pointing. You know, maybe. Was it for a long period of time? Is that no, they got well, nervous? four or five days, but it was. there was never no reason for it. Right. So that's what she always said. It's not like he's teething. It's not like he's has this. And it would be just constant every, like I say, probably every six weeks, maybe two months, two and a half months, he would constantly get this. And she'd always fret and fright. She's a RN, and so and she works in the emergency room, which is the worst because she sees everything bad, and she she sees what can happen to somebody that has some, you know. So anyway, Sue had told me pickle juice of all things. Get a jar of pickle juice, and then somebody said, "Do you have to have sweet or dill?" I said, I don't think there's a, di- a difference. I actually like to use kosher with garlic. Current kosher? Okay. Well, anyway, so I said, just do pickle juice. This is the, the cure for it. Are you supposed to drink it? No. You take the pickle juice and you strain it. And you put a pair of socks in the pickle juice. White cotton socks. Yeah. And you squeeze the socks out pretty, you know, not all the way, but pretty good. You put the, the socks on the child. Then you put a pair of wool socks over top of it. If you don't have wool socks, go ahead and use two pairs of socks. And she did that. And this child at this point was probably at least five years old. So this child has had 20 or 30 fevers in his life. You know, and it was just getting sickening. But you know how you always just go, oh yeah, we'll catch it next time. You know what I mean? We just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to tell her. Nothing was working, whatever. That is the last time that child had a fever. And he is nine years old. And how many times did she do this? Once. One night? She left it on all night? Well, you leave it on, and then it actually dries out like that pickle juice must absorb, and she can tell you the, the fact. And I think she, her child actually did have a really high fever, because that's why the, pickle, the socks would dry out, because it'll, the socks will actually dry out as the body's pulling the fever from the body. And, and it, she was saying that she had to change the socks every 20 minutes. Yeah. They would just dry right out. Yeah, she did change the She put the, the white socks. cotton socks soaked in pickle juice and then a real wool sock over the top and it'll pull that fever right out. And the thing is, is when you let the body get rid of what it's trying to get rid of on its own, it's gone. It won't come back. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. So do you, are you supposed to let the fever run its course then? That's you do, but we were, give, we were giving belladonna as well because belladonna interrupts the virus. We, don't, we didn't know what was wrong with the child. Yes. I suspect it probably wasn't like an uh, uh, active virus itself. It's just, I think his body, he probably once upon a time had a really bad virus. And then they suppressed it with antibiotics or whatever. And so the body, he had such good vitality that the body kept trying to bring it back. And that's another thing. You'll see little kids run really high fevers. Also, depending on what miasm they're in, we have, that's the disease state, you know. But anyway, we'll talk about that some other time. But if... The child doesn't say that what they call the typhoid miasm. It's right next to acute. They just they get things violently. They can tend to run really really high fevers, and so, but that's a sign of good vitality. You know, like little kids high fevers. As you get older, oh, I don't run fevers anymore. That's because their vitality again is weakening. We can't throw off 
that symptom in the form of a high fever quickly. Because like we were in the hospital with my fifth when he was like five weeks old for a week with this like 104 fever. Like by the time we got to the hospital, he, like he looked bad. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it was like, and you didn't realize how bad he looked until they put a whole bunch of fluid in. And he was like eating and nursing, but his fever was just so high that he would just... Yeah, I remember there was a really bad flu about 16 and years they ago. And they tried everything, and they couldn't figure out what it was, which of course, you know, I'm like, who no. cares? You better. Uh-huh. Um, and hasn't really had yeah. a fever since, but he's my one that's always... Like, he has a lot of vitality. Yeah, but he's like always like hurt. <laughs> and he'll go, I'm okay, Mom. I'm okay. Uh-huh. You just got it. <laughs> you know, yeah. really well, the thing is, is when kids get this is something very important to, to remember too. That was before you were into that. Is when we get when we, when anyone is sick, and it doesn't matter if they're throwing up or have diarrhea or they just have a really high fever, and you're having a hard time keeping fluids down or getting fluids down them. Adults only need one tablespoon of liquid per hour to keep from dehydrating. Children and infants, one teaspoon an hour. And you can, anybody can do that by, with an eyedropper. Mm-hmm. You can keep them from dehydrating with an eyedropper as long as they're getting that yeah, one. nursing, mm-hmm. but, um, but so, maybe, you know. Well, yeah, who knows what he can nurse all night long, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know what he, you know, like I said, I, um, it, 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 sometimes, like I say, sometimes we need doctors, you know, sometimes we do. And then it's, that could have been a situation, too, where he maybe wasn't reading his fluids. You know, and so if the sodium gets knocked out of balance, very often that's the first thing they'll get knocked out with the high fever is, is the sodium. So you can give a dose of NAPMER, help bring back that sodium balance. Because you, get, you will get dehydrated extremely quickly if your sodium is knocked out of balance. It, okay, it's, and I have heard with the remedies that you can put them in water yep. and put the water on them. Yep, absolutely. It, okay, and right. even their lips, even their lips mm-hmm. on their body. Because I always feel like kind of more comfortable, especially like when, like for a five-week-old, mm-hmm. you know. Well, my girls, what they'll do is they'll just make a water dilution. They'll just put it in a jar, mm-hmm. keep it in the refrigerator, and succuss it every day. But if, if the kids are sick, then you can just, yeah, just a dropper, an eyedropper, and, you know, in the infant's mouth. But, is so. It's the one pickle juice in the book, too. Yeah, I think Where it is. Where did you find the pickle juice? <laughs> well, honestly, that came from my homeopath, and he heard it from a friend of his. Yes. Have so. you heard about the new virus? It's called yeah, yeah, Zika. Because, like, I'm in a pregnancy Facebook group, and everybody is, like, poorly, like... If it's a virus, Belladonna is always the remedy. If it's a virus. Because it's supposed to Can be... you take it if you're pregnant? They're concerned. Oh, you can oh, always take homeopathic remedies when you're pregnant, yes. Okay. Yep. Well, they're... Did you see that, too? Yeah. What was your yeah. Well, I'm saying that it's mosquito carried and it's in South America, but all the mosquitoes. Well, I will tell you that all the mosquitoes. There's two cases in Lee County now. But all the mosquitoes. Well, the really sad thing is it's supposed to give you a high fever as a person, but if you're pregnant, it's supposed to, like, really, like, okay. poorly. Well, like I said, it, all, all mosquito carrying viruses, basically, belladonna is the remedy for encephalitis, West Nile, um, all of those diseases, they're viral. Belladonna is the viral interrupter. And it works so amazingly fast. So. I don't, like I said, just God's in charge. And just, you, well, you, and you what treat I the symptoms. Like, you know, because there's, there's bug spray that, that, that have the, like, essential oils have the bug spray that right. actually works really good. We found yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. 
was like, you know. Called Terra like, Shield. Use your, use your natural oils and pray, but right. I just wondered if there was either a remedy for that. Yep. Or you had I know when Les Nell came through, I called my homeopath before that, and I said, um, you know, what's going to, we have seven horses, what, you know, what are we going to do? He said, well, so we did the research. He said, well, it would be Belladonna. So when that when I got went to get on my horse one day to go riding and he just stumbled forward, I'm like, no! I jumped down, I ran to the house and got the belladonna. I started giving the horse the remedy. I said, give him this every 15 minutes. I went in and I called my friend who works at the vet clinic, and she came out about an hour and a half later. She had all the stuff that they were giving him. I said, I don't want you can give him fluids, but don't give him anything else. I because I want to use only homeopathy. So she drew blood. She started him with fluids. By the time she got there. He was standing so still in his stall, and his little nose was just resting on the feed bunk, and he, his eyes were closed, and he was just standing there. And every hair had a droplet of sweat on it, because we had started him on the belladonna. What does the belladonna do? It interrupts the virus. The fever will raise, and he was standing so still, I could see every little droplet. So anyway, she, she took blood and confirmed that he did have West Nile. She gave him fluids. Four days later, I was able to turn him out to pasture because he healed so quickly. But you gave it to him how often? Every 15 minutes, and then I went out during the night twice. I think during the night twice. And I kept giving it to him during the day three or four times. And then he still did have, if you understand virus, like encephalitis, meningitis, um, West Nile, it affects the meninges of the brain. So when they inflame like that, the the pain is so immense. That's why horses would go crazy and tear up the ground and fall over. They couldn't get up again because they were dizzy. And anyway... That the belladonna interrupted that virus. He got better, but he still had the residual effects of that inflammation. So he was still kind of spooky, and he would puff at things. He didn't quite know what they were, and you knew he was seeing shadows and things because I had meningitis too once. I can tell you about that later. But anyway, he, um, he got better. I, I continued him on the belladonna uh, probably two or three times a week for about six weeks, and then finally all his symptoms went away. And when we ran him through the ring up to the sale barn, he was one of the top-selling horses that day. And I, I had determined that I was going to tell the new owner that he was a West Nile survivor. So after we went to meet the, the new owner, he goes, oh, no, I didn't buy this horse for me. He says, a friend sent me. He said, I'm a veterinarian. And she wanted me to buy the best horse in the barn today. So I did not tell him he bought a West Nile survivor. <laughs> he would have been so embarrassed. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're going to conclude this session. Uh, So this is the end of session one. In the next session, we will continue the discussion on oils as well as homeopathy. So thank you everyone for coming tonight. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.